Well, good morning, once again. I hope you had a, a great Thanksgiving time. hope it was enjoyable. I got to eat a lot of food and watch a lot of movies. That was what we, my family descended upon our house. So my parents, my sister, and her husband, and my nephews. And, and we watched a lot of movies. There's the preparation for the Star Wars you heard of this movie? The Star Wars? I was wanting to make sure, because people take offense if you, if you do the wrong Star movie. So, if you name it. So, Star Wars. So, my sister brought with her all of the Star Wars, and so I think we watched maybe two or three. And, uh, and, uh, my, my kids were enjoying that. They've got a lot of Star Wars action figures and Legos, and so this is, uh, and then I got to watch Rocky, um, well, not Rocky. It's Creed. So, I mean, you'll have to learn about it if you want to read about it online. But there's a connection to Rocky because he is very much in the film. So, um, and so I really enjoyed that. I got to go with some, some friends of mine last night to watch that. And I, I grew up watching Rocky, so I, I really enjoyed that. But enough about me. So let's, uh, let's pray. Let's pray together. Father, thank you for this time. And thank you for this group, God, that you brought here. Thank you for this season that we celebrate the birth of of your son Jesus and that we are able to really reflect on um, the significance of of his birth and just at that time in history and then just the impact on our world Lord we thank you for all of these things that come into focus this time of the year Lord it, it makes a difference each and every day Lord I pray that as we so we look again at Christmas story and just this season, Lord, I pray that you would um, grab hold of our hearts and draw them close to you and, and prepare us, Lord, for um, this celebration, this whole season of celebration, Lord. We ask you for help. We know that there is um, much that can draw our attention away from you in this time. And so, Lord, we pray that you would help us to um, really have the right perspective uh, approaching this season. In, in the name of Jesus, we pray. Amen. Well, Christmas season really is the time where we highlight how much God has really done and just how immeasurably more He has given than we deserve in life. God's generosity is really what sets the tone for this season. So we talk, we call this the, the season of giving and, and it's God's generosity that sets the tone for, for this season. Uh, we, we went to the Mission Inn to look at the, the lights that were turned on, and then afterwards we tried to do some shopping for the season of giving. And so we went out on Black Friday night, and I wouldn't go out during the Black For- Friday rush where everyone's getting in fist fights. I wouldn't do that. But my, my family set out to go to Target and then to Kohl's to do some Christmas shopping. And one of the things I noticed about myself when I was shopping was I we divided and conquered kind of like you take these members of the family I'll take these members and I'm walking around with some of my with um, some of my kids and and shopping and I'm supposed to be trying to find like for example for my sister and and it's it's hard to shop for people I don't know if you're experiencing this but it's like how do I know they're really going to want this like I'm going to I'm going to buy this thing I really hope they want this you know and and it's it's a difficult experience but something I noticed about Myself, as, as I was browsing for gifts for others, somehow my eyes would be drawn to things that I would want for myself. 
So then it'd be like, okay, refocus, refocus. Okay, I'm, I'm not here for me, I'm here for... And so again, hunting for things. But then on the end cap of aisles, there's these, you know, fascinating items or these amazing deals. You're like, oh, we need one of those too. And it's a great time to buy. And so Black Friday, it's, it's like, you know, super low prices and great deals. The same thing happens when I, when I start trying to shop online. I start out focusing on other people, only my eyes are drawn to the deals that really appeal to me. And, and why is that? And now here's something unique. I, I, I have no use for it, but some of you might have a use for this. Here is, if you're looking, in the, if you're in the market for a clip, clip-on man bun, clip-in man bun, I have nothing to clip into, so I can't, I can't make use of this. But some of you guys, and you're just, you know, you're thinking, I want to go the man button direction. Um, that, that's just, there's something you could, you know, purchase if you, if you want one of those. So, um, you can pretty much find anything you want at this time of the year at a great deal online. And, but if you're like me, you, you experience this tension between these two worlds. You have the world of giving, and you have the world of taking. You have generosity, and consumerism. And there's a co- competition between these two things. We, we live in the tension between giving and taking, constantly. In fact, many of us struggle to really see the generosity of God because of this tension. And today, so many people struggle with this idea of God being a taker. That God is the one who's taking everything from us. And so... Catching hold of this season of giving is difficult. Seeing God as generous is difficult because there's so much taking going on in our world. And so God, we sometimes can equate as the taker. He's this cosmic killjoy who wants to take all my fun, take all my joy. And if that's your view of God, then then it feels like He's making constant demands on your life. It can feel like the Ten Commandments is just God's list of demands. And He just... You know, it feels like God wants to take all of these things. Let me list these out. It feels like God's trying to take our freedom. God, I, I want to, to choose in life. I want the freedom of, of choice. I want the freedom of, of opinion. I want the freedom of perspective and thinking. God, I don't want to live my life like a puppet where you're in control of me and you're pulling the strings of my life and I, and I lose all my freedom. That, I don't want that. It feels like God, for some people, it would feel like God wants to take away our fun. You know, he, he is the killjoy who, if we were to follow Him, then it would be all about the thou shalt not, thou shalt not, thou shalt not. And I, and I don't want someone taking all the fun out of life. Or, it feels like God wants to take our finances. God, this is, this is my money. It's my hard-earned money. Hands off. Why, why would I give up my hard-earned money for, for your work? For... for for your purposes. Or, or it seems like God can be trying to take all of our free time. You know, we barely get any time off. And so the, that's my time. Hands off of my time. Don't, don't get into my calendar. Don't, don't try to schedule yourself into my life. Or, or my family. God, I'm in charge of my family. I, I don't want to give that over to you. I don't want to give that up. When I became an adult, I stopped letting other people run my life. And so, God, I get to decide how much we need to be involved in, in, in this. And on and on and on. Over, overall, you know, it just feels like God's trying to take my entire life. Seems like He's the taker. I, you just want me to hand my life over to you? God, no way. This is, this is my life. Back off. You deal with the rest of the universe, God. Let me be. 
And so, if we only see God as that, as the taker, then that shapes every area of our life. For some, this is, this is, this can be our view of God. He's the one who wants to build a fence around us, stick us in that boundary. And if, if it's that, if that's who He is, then a lot of people say, I, I don't want anything to do with that kind of a God. But as you encounter the Bible, as you begin to read through the pages of Scripture and you look really closely, for yourself, you discover that God is, is He's a giver. He's a giver. Now, I'm not saying God doesn't take. So don't hear me say that there's not points where God takes because He can and He does. But God is a giver. God is revealed as this generous giver through the pages of Scripture. And there's stories of God's kindness and generosity where things were a mess and God stepped in to give exactly what was needed in a situation to address a problem, to meet a need, to rescue a people, to mend someone who is broken, on and on and on. You just see God being generous and pouring out His kindness in immeasurable ways beyond what people really deserve. And I believe, since God is a giver, that we were meant to be givers as well, not takers. Now, that's a struggle. God made us this way. He made us to reflect His generosity in this way. And so that's what some of this series is all about. It's that we were created to be givers... But here's the problem. We were raised consumers. We were created to be givers, but we were raised consumers. And therein lies the struggle for us. And I was thinking about that a lot last night. That statement, it popped into my mind. I mean, I, I was raised a consumer. God, God created me with this, this, uh, this generous side. He created you. In His image, with this generous component of your life, where there's this, there is that's inside of you, the the reflex to um, bear that His image in the world, to be generous. But then we're raised in a consumer culture, in a consumer environment, and so we have this struggle. Now, good news is this: God can help us in that struggle. In fact, His help came through generosity. His help came through giving His Son. If you want to pull out your listening guide, God gave us immeasurably more than we could ever imagine. Ephesians 3.20 is a a verse, it's a statement of praise. And Paul, it comes at the end of one of Paul's prayers to the church of Ephesus. Ephesians 3.20, it's some people's favorite verse in the Bible. It it reads this, it's, it's, it's a praise. Paul says, Now to him who is able to do far more abundantly than all we ask or think, according to the power that is at work within us. Through giving Jesus, God has given the world more than we deserve. This statement, it, it, like I said, it shows up at the end of a prayer. And the prayer that Paul is praying really addresses uh, something that we all need to understand, which is God's love. You see, this, this statement here is really, after, after this prayer, Paul, and I'm going to read the prayer to you, Paul wraps up the prayer, and he, he says, God, we, we need to understand and experience more of you. We want to understand and experience more of your power. We need to, to grow more in our understanding of who you are. The reason why it's important to understand God's love for us is because all of us have this nagging question that rolls around in our moment in our mind, and it, com- it comes up at points, and the question is something like this. It's, how could anyone really love me? How, how could anyone really love me like God? 
Like we hear these stories about God loving us. How, how could anyone really love me like that? Because we ask that question because we know who we really are when no one is looking. We know all the dark things we've ever thought. We're the only ones to know that. We know every, every damaging word we've said. We know every, every wrong action we've ever committed, and yet we hear that God sent His Son out of love to bring forgiveness for all that we've ever done, thought, said, are. And, 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 and that's just really tough to take in, that God would love us that much. So Paul, he prays this prayer for the church in Ephesus. I want, I want to read it to you. Ephesians chapter... Chapter, chapter 3. It's not up here on your listening guide. Just, I'm going to read this to you. Ephesians 3, verse 14. Paul prays this. He, he prays for the church. And this is really something that, if you think about, he, he wants the church to understand this about God. For this reason, he says, I bow my knees before the Father, from whom every family in heaven and on earth is named. I'm going to pause there for a moment. He, he begins this prayer with the statement, for this reason. Now, the reason he's praying... Or what's prompted this prayer is the good news, the gospel message that he's proclaiming. This was a mystery before. And so God has, he's revealed a mystery of his plan to redeem and rescue humanity. And so Paul in chapter 3 and really the first part of Ephesians, the first few chapters actually, lay out God's gift in Christ. But in chapter 3 he, he mentions that God made this mystery known to people. The, the good news, the gospel message of what God has done through Jesus. So he prays this, for this reason, because of the gospel, he's saying, because of the good news. I bow my knees before the Father, from whom every family in heaven and on earth is named, that according to the riches of His glory, He may grant you to be strengthened with power through His Spirit in your inner being. This is His prayer for us. This is His prayer for the church. Paul's prayer for the church. So that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith, that you, being rooted and grounded in love, may have strength to comprehend with all the saints what is the breadth and length and height and depth and to know the love of Christ. That, pay attention to what he wants them to comprehend and really, and really grasp. He wants us to grasp just the, God's love, the, the magnitude of God's love, the height, the depth, the width. Just, he's like, I want them to really understand how full God's love really is. And to know the love of Christ that surpasses knowledge that you may be filled with all the fullness of God. That's Paul's prayer for the church. Then he gets to verse 20, and this is a praise at the end. He's now to him, now unto God who is able to do far more abundantly than all that we ask or think according to the power at work within us. Basically, God has done so much in Christ, and yet, in verse 20, and yet we can still experience so much more. So he's praying, I want them to experience even more than than where they're at right now. I want them to understand more than they understand even now. Now this is a picture of God's generosity, yet it's so easy to forget the significance of this. I want to read from Luke the, the story of Jesus' birth. This is in Luke 2, verse 7 through 14. Very familiar passage of the birth of Christ. Let's, let's read it together. It says, And she gave birth to her firstborn son and wrapped him in swaddling cloths and laid him in a manger, because there was no room for them in the inn. And in the same region there were shepherds out in the field, 
keeping watch over their flock by night. And an angel of the Lord appeared to them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were filled with fear. And the angel said to them, Fear not, and behold, I bring you good news of great joy that will be for all the people. For unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior, who is Christ the Lord. And this will be a sign for you. You will find a baby wrapped in swaddling cloths and lying in a manger. And suddenly there was with the angel a multitude of the, of the heavenly hosts, praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest, and on earth peace among those with whom he is pleased. Now, you know, this verse 9 and 10, if you were to back up to verses 9 and 10, verse 9 and 10, you, you've got the shepherds. They're completely afraid. <laughs> Imagine. You're doing your, your job. And just brilliant light, angels come visit you and make this huge announcement. And so, verses 9 and 10 captures a lot. They go from fear to joy in an instant. They get this experience and they're told, we've got great news of great joy, or good news of great joy that will be for all of the people. This great news was long awaited. It was so, you know, why was it great? Well, this is what, God had promised to His people. So for hundreds of years prior to Christ's coming, there were prophecies being made about God's Messiah, the one who would come and who would rescue God's people and who would rule and reign and, and, be, and you know, establish a new kingdom. And, and all, all that was wrapped up in the Messiah was you know, everything that the Jews were waiting for. And so the angels came and they declared, Great, great news, guys. It's time. The Savior is going to be born. And so Jesus' birth, it, was, it wasn't a coincidence. This was actually a perfectly planned gift from our generous God. In fact, Jesus is that. Jesus is God's most generous gift that meets our deepest needs. Isaiah 9.6 is a verse that is just one of the Old Testament prophecies. And this was written about 700 years before um, the events that, that we read in Luke, Luke 2. So 700 years before Jesus' birth, there's prophecies being, being spoken by, by God's prophets about the Messiah, what He would be like, who He would, the circumstances surrounding His birth, what would be wrapped up in His, in his life, what, we, what He would come to do, where He was from, all of these different details. And so, when Jesus came, it, you know, He was this perfect gift at just the right time. Isaiah 9, 6 is one of those prophecies. Let's, let's read it. It says, For to us a child is born, to us a son is given, and the government shall be upon his shoulder, and his name shall be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. This is a prophecy. This is saying this is what's going to happen when the Messiah comes. He's going to be this person. Th- these four descriptions reveal a great deal about his character. These, these descriptions, you see them here at the bottom, what his name shall be called. Now, now Jesus is this perfect gift, though, for mankind. Like I said earlier, how, how frustrating is it to go shopping for people who don't need the gift? And you're, you're, you're sweating it because you're like, I want this to be right, but then you're like, this person has everything. <laughs> what, should, what should I really give them at this point? It's so hard. Year after year after year to get creative with gift giving. And you're like, I don't know if you feel this way, but I feel it's, it's painstaking at points to try to figure out, oh, I remember how this was last year. Trying to, how, many, how many pairs of slippers can I buy this person? Like, 
how cold are their feet, really? I mean, but why do I keep going back to the slippers, you know? And we go through this experience and it can be discouraging. Spending money on things that might never be used, might be thrown away. But if you are going to actually create a Christmas wish list that represents the things that you actually long for but cannot be bought, this is part of that list. If we were to say, God, here's what I really need in my life. Jesus actually came. He was that perfect gift. Look at, I want to look at these things. This list here, these descriptions. Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. I want to spend the rest of our time just looking at these statements really briefly. These are the things that I really want. These are the things I need help in in life. I need, I need help. I need strength. I need stability. I, need, I want peace. Look at the first one. We need help. So, you need, you, you need a counselor. We're often told you need, you need a counselor. You need counseling. You need to talk to somebody. I can't help you. You need to talk to somebody. You need to talk to a professional. Have you ever been stuck in a problem? And you're trying to figure your way through the problem? And you just want someone who is caring and spot on with their guidance? I've been there. I, I, I don't want to go to a million people. I want to go to the right person who knows exactly what I need to hear. Jesus would be the one whose words would actually help. That's what he's saying. He would be the wonderful counselor. That's what I want. I don't, I don't want a Savior who's mostly on target. I want a Savior who's spot on, who, whose guidance and words are completely trustworthy. I want to be able to go there and go to the Bible and read, read God's Word, and, I, and I, want, I want to be able to find the answers to the real problems that I'm facing. I don't want it to be 50-50. Yeah, it was a, good, you know, it was a good, good session today. I want to know that His words are trustworthy. So this gift is that He would be giving Jesus, who is the wonderful Counselor. That's, that's the promise, and that's exactly what I need. That's what, that's what you need. Also, we need strength, and so... We need strength to handle life's demands, and so we were given the mighty God. Jesus is God in the flesh. He came and people could identify with Him because Jesus looked human like them. He looked like a man, and so, you know, people could relate on one level, but then He was the mighty God. He started pulling off things that no one else could do. He had the power because He was God. He embodied God's power and His miracles proved proved the power. He, he could provide us strength and power even now to handle the things that we face in life. Also, we need security. And so this statement here matters because God sent us the everlasting Father whose kingdom and whose resources do not fade. They don't disappear. This is important because security is, is a big deal in our day and age. Security is something we, we, we long for. We want to know that someone's going to going to take care of us long term. We we want to feel cared for. We want to be cared for long term. And so the title, this title has to do with the eternal nature of God's care for us. We can count on him. Not just here and now, but we can count on his care way on into the future through all eternity. And and that's so different because earthly fathers and earthly kings, they will have an end to their lives. But it's tough for us to really wrap our minds around anyone who could care for us constantly and eternally. But this is who Jesus would be. He is the eternal one. And so, knowing these things about Him, that 
knowing that specifically causes us to relax and begin to just enjoy the relationship that we have with Him without wondering if it's going to be there tomorrow. Finally, we need this last thing. We, we need stability. And so God sent us the Prince of Peace. Life, can, it can be chaotic. If we're honest, it can be up and down. Things can spin out of control. But in Christ, we can experience this peace as we follow His ways. Right now, when you turn on the TV or you scan through the news, you look at the world and you see so much unrest. You see a ton of chaos. And tragedy is just continually striking. Every time you know you hold your breath, everyone... Every time someone says, hey, did you hear the news? Because it's like, whoa, what next? What now? We're, we're in a time where people long for peace, yet it's tough to find. And so again, he would be the prince, of, the prince of peace. This was the promised in Christ. Now who Jesus is and what he did for us represents this immeasurable and unfathomable generosity found in God and how he has just poured out. Now that's just four things from one prophecy. There's 350 plus verses before Jesus came that foretold about the coming Messiah and what he would bring to our world. And so as you, as you dig into the Bible for yourself, you really begin to discover, wow, God, you really know me. You know our world. You know our needs. And you address those perfectly. But again, until you grasp this perspective that God gave us immeasurably more than we could ask or imagine in Jesus, until you get that, you would never give your life and offer your life fully to Him. You'd hold yourself back from Him if you don't understand how immeasurably generous God is to you. Because He's the taker. Remember, that's, that's how often we put God in that category of the taker. But, in response to God's generosity, the big question for us is, will you offer up your life generously to Him as the giver? Would you do that? And the different parts of our life, to take that list that we laid out about what God maybe threatens to take from us, what if we were to offer those things to God in return for His generosity? What if we were to say, God, I give you my freedom to direct me. God, since You have set me free, since you have broken chains that held me down in my life, since, since you have broken the power that, you know, that sin had over me, since you've set me free from an eternity in hell and separation from you, God, I give you, I give you my life. I give you the freedom to direct my life. I want to be honest with you. I'm not going to hide from you. God, these areas that that held me back on, I'm just going to bring those to you. I'm going to offer my freedom to you. I want to live in the light. Or, God, I, I offer you my fun. You know, whatever that represents for you. God, would you direct me to live a life that really pleases you? I desire to live more of a holy life than a happy life. Or, God, I, I, offer, you, I offer you my finances. God, here they are. You, you have... Would you guide me to use these resources wisely? Help me to steward these things well. God, I realize that you're the owner of all things and you have, you have entrusted to me some resources. God, would you, would you help me to direct the flow of these resources in a way that actually pleases you since they're yours anyway? God, would you help me to do that? I offer these things to you. God, I offer you my, my free time. Would you help me to loosen my grip, God, on my, on my tightly 
held schedule and would, would, would you help me to trust you to give you more t- of my time? I want to give you control over how I use my time, how I schedule my time. Help me to make wiser decisions with my time, wiser priorities with my time. God, I, I offer you my family because of how generous you... I, I just give you my family. Would you help me to build my family life around your kingdom priorities? We're, we're yours for your purposes. Help me not to be stingy, God, with my family. Or, or God, just to sum it all up, God, I, I offer you my life. I'm yours. You take the lead. You, you be in charge of my life. I trust you with my life. I yield to you as the boss. It's a very different perspective. When we see God as the taker, then we, 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 we stiff arm Him and we kind of keep Him out. But when we recognize God is this generous giver, all of a sudden we realize, wow, God, you've poured out your kindness and your generosity to me. And as, as Paul said in Romans 12, Romans 12, very similar, verse 1 and 2. Paul writes this, I appeal to you therefore, brothers, by the mercies of God, to present your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and pleasing to God, which is your spiritual worship. God, would you help me to do that? Would you help me, because of your kindness and your love and your mercy, would you help me to just present back to you my life as an offering, my entire life as an offering. God, that's what I desire how, how does this conversation need to look in your life? Our, our hope is that you would fully understand the value of God's gift to you and that what God has sent in His Son and that it would prompt you to offer your life back to God in return. I want to invite our worship team to join me back up here on the stage. And just ask you to consider, look at this list here. Is there anything you feel like you're holding back? Because you're like, God's trying to take this from me. And so, nope, God, I'm willing to give you my, you know, maybe, maybe you feel like, you know, God, I give you my fun and my finances and, you know, a little bit of my free time. But those other things, nope, those are hands off. Maybe today God's saying, nope, <laughs> you can't limit me in, in this way. Maybe He is is calling you to a a place of commitment to Him in in a new way for Him to be the Lord of your life. I want to invite you to take out that connection card and on the back of it you notice there's some next steps and you can just pull these next steps up. My next step today might might be memorized Ephesians 3.20. The other one is for the first time receive Christ as Savior and invite Him or commit myself to Him as my Lord. If you've never done that before we would love to just have a a dialogue with you. you. If you check that We'll send you some information about what does it mean to become a Christian? How does the Bible define Christianity? What is that all about? We would love to just have a dialogue with you and and give you time to process that. Just have a discussion with you and respond to God if you're ready to do that. We've left another line blank. Maybe God is just asking you to respond in some different way. Maybe there's a mental shift that needs to take place. Just admitting, God, I, I do see you as the taker. I'll admit it. And I need to see you as the giver. So, God, help me to make that mental shift today. And then in in response to that, to offer myself to you. Would you pray with me? Father, thank you for your great love. Thank you for knowing us. Knowing everything about us. And giving us a gift that would meet all of our needs. 
God, you are worthy of all of our praise. You have been so kind to us. You've been caring to us. Lord, we thank you for that. Thank you for sending your son Jesus. I pray that for those that have never experienced a new life that we can find in Christ, Lord, I pray that this season would be the time where they embrace Jesus to be their Lord. Lord, for those that already know Christ, Lord, if there's an area that we are holding back from you, Lord, I pray that you would you would pinpoint that. You show us that, Lord, and help us to hit a point where we turn and respond to you in obedience. We, we invite you, God, to take hold of our of our Christmas season in our hearts, Lord, to make us more generous, to prompt us towards new acts of kindness and generosity towards others, Lord, out of just a gratitude for your goodness to us, Lord. Help us to live in light of your generosity, Lord. We bless you, God, and bless your holy name. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen.